The Healing Lives Center is a center for sex, trauma, and marriage education and transformation and has the critical mission to strengthen that which God created and values, marriages and the nuclear family. Dr. Gilbert, your host, aims to provide important teaching on tough topics, great interviews and conversations, and tools just for you, all emphasizing a biblical worldview. Join us now with today's feature. Welcome to the Family Features Podcast. My name is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and today I have a great conversation with Bob Lodick. Thank you, Bob, for joining me. Corey, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. And he's a best-selling author, award-winning blogger, follower of Jesus, my favorite part. Um, and today we're going to have yeah. a great conversation about a really, really important but tough topic that so many couples have a lot of stress and issues with, money. So yeah. tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, so uh, I started as a mess financially. I think that's the best way to describe it. <laughs> uh, had no idea what I was doing. Uh, you know, and my parents did the best they could, just like most of our parents do the best that they can. But at the same time, you might have experienced this like I have. Like I talk to couples all the time who say, yeah, my dad said we just never talk about money in our house. And I always like scratch my head. Uh, because I'm like, all right, how are we going to learn? Like, how are our kids going to learn if we're not talking about that? If we're not showing them, you know, we don't have to tell them what our salaries are, whatever the thing is, but like not showing them how we're making financial decisions. Um, like how are they going to learn? You know, and the, what I've found, unfortunately, is that people are going to learn one thing or another, like they're going to establish beliefs about money one way or another, you know? So if it's not, if our parents who've been through a few things aren't teaching us, then we're going to be learning from our broke friends. We're going to be learning from Instagram influencers and how they're spending money, you know, not necessarily that they're teaching us financial wisdom, but like this wisdom, you know, like we're going to be picking up their lessons and their beliefs. And so it's really important for us as parents, I think, to establish um, something there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What got you into that, into the talking about money? Besides yeah, so starting off a mess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, so I started off a mess. That was kind of my journey, and God did so much, just kind of pulling me out of that and just continuing to reveal things to me about my own heart, about my own uh, poor decisions I was making. Mm -hmm. You could say it that way. Uh, and then in all that, somewhere I just got this unction to start sharing what I was learning. And so this was going back to 2007. Somewhere in there, I remember talking to a friend and just saying. You know, I just kind of want to write an article every day and post it online about what I'm learning about money because the Bible says something about it. And I thought that was cool. So I want to kind of talk about that. He's like, that sounds like a blog. And I remember asking, <laughs> like, what's a blog? I don't know what a blog is. Tell me what a blog is. And he explained what a blog was. I'm like, yes, that's it. That's what I want. I want to do that. Nice. And so I went out and bought a domain that night, started a blog. And, um, yeah, you know, and that was kind of like where the whole thing started for me, just getting the opportunity to share what I was learning, the mistakes I was making, the things I was improving on. And then that just kind of evolved from there into, you know, a podcast and now a couple books and courses and, you know, whatever we can do to help. Nice. And were you married then yet or were you single at the time? At that point, I was married. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so my wife, you know, was kind of encouraging me, my cheerleader in the corner, uh, to do it and i'm really glad i did because it's it's just been really fun uh you know it's been good for me you know learning out loud is really beneficial but also uh we've been able to help a lot of people in the process too right which that's i mean why we do what we do is yeah right to make a difference and change people's lives it's amazing how many this is such a hot area top reason for divorce is money but it doesn't really have to do with mm -hmm. money it's my relationship yeah. with money my lack of conversations about money um, it's very, I call yeah. it a revealer. Money is a revealer. It reveals the selfishness. Exactly. How, how much we're influenced by things. But you made a comment a minute ago, though, your kids, you have younger kids, right? Yeah. Um, yeah eight, five, and three. Eight, five, and three. And so I, I had a conversation just you know, a couple hours ago with one of my teenagers. We just got back from Boy Scout camp and he still hasn't earned part of his, his way to camp. And so we were yeah. talking about, no, you still owe me a few hundred dollars for half of camp. And yeah. how do they do it? Well, here they go get cans and they take cans to the can place and 10 cents a piece. And it's amazing how quick yeah. that adds up, but it's like, you need to go earn it, go mow a lawn. Yeah. Our older son, he's actually at work right now on a farm. And so it's neat yeah. to see each kid's different, but instilling that money piece is a different 
it wasn't done in previous generations as much. Yeah, no, it is so important. And I, I tend to think, yeah, I'm like you, like I want to teach our kids the importance of earning money and working and, uh, you know, so it's like, I don't have, you know, major philosophical problem with people giving allowances, but I really like the idea of you do work, you earn money for work, like instilling that, because as we both know, there's a lot of the youngest generation right now that, um, doesn't understand that the way that they should. And I, and I think, you know, all throughout the Bible, we see that this is God's design like, for us to work. And so it's important. Well, yeah. one of these I've emphasized lately in some of the speaking that I've done in places was that look at back in Genesis, work was part of pre-fall. Mm-hmm. It was Adam worked the gardens. He he was not sitting around yep. drinking something like he was working yeah. and it was beautiful. Yeah. Part of the part of the curse became it's going to be hard. And and actually I think that's also more mm-hmm. even beauty in that. But um yeah. My son right now, he's you know, he bought himself a car and he's he, we paid half and then now he's paying his insurance and but ha- seeing that that value and it hurts when he had to buy tires. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh yeah. No one likes buying tires. <laughs> but to see how much of your money goes away and yes, we help. Yeah. That idea of of earning something is so different than yay, here's your new car that you've not yeah. Well, yeah. And we all know this, like as adults, that you don't appreciate things when there's no skin in the game, when you don't have, it's through that sweat that like the refreshment is so enjoyable, you know? But it's part of that almost a mentality of how I love my kids even. So Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm loving them by giving them things. And it's like, that's great. You feel that way, but that's feeling (laughs) to be probably killed. (laughs) Like it needs to be taken yeah. out back. No. How do you love them? You give them skills and tools and help them learn to use those skills and tools. Yeah. That's good. Love it. Yeah. And so you've written, a, uh, you said a number of books. Uh, your more recent book is Simple Money, Rich Life, right? Yep. What yep, that's one? it. So yeah. So I, uh, a few years back, I mean, actually seven or eight years back, I wrote a 31 day devotional. Um, called Managing Money God's Way, uh, just a real simple devotional. Uh, partnered with a guy, wrote a, a six-week Bible study many years back as well. Nice. Um, this recent book is much more um, much more thorough, all-inclusive, I think, covering really everything we've done over the last 15 years, so much wider range. A 21-day kickstart to stress-free money management. Yeah. The truth That's is, we're all after, right? <laughs> there's not a person out there that, is, that doesn't need that. But, and this is from yeah. a biblical worldview, and you yeah. use scripture in it, and you're very yep. much teaching about a, an ethic, a belief system about money, which I love that. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So, what have you learned in the process of putting this together? Uh, just in terms of writing, writing and kind of compiling the last 15 years and all your blogs and just all you've done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot, uh, <laughs> you know, I think, you know, cause I've been in the position where I've had to wrestle with, um, yeah, like this topic of money is one that so few people want to talk about. And then you add in the Bible, the Christian component, and that just adds another layer of, oh, just don't go there. Just don't talk about that, you know? <laughs> because, and I think part of the reason is that we see so many bad examples of what can happen when this goes wrong, you know? Uh, and, and so we just want to like have this knee jerk reaction of like, these two things should never go together. We should never talk about it. But you know, the fact is, is that Jesus talked about money all the time. Like there's over 2000 verses in the Bible about money. Like it's more than heaven and hell combined. Like, wow. and so like, what does that say? You know, it's, I, to me, it says it's something that we should be talking about. We should have dialogue around these things and we should be, um, figuring out how to use it for his glory. I think that's what it comes down to for me. It's like, I want, you know, look at the parable of the talents. It's like some people say it's not about money and it's like, all right, maybe it's not exclusively about money, you know, but there's a lot of things that we are stewarding. There are a lot of things that we are responsible for managing that God has put into our care and entrusted to us. And I am convinced that money is one of them. It's like, yes, our kids, yes, our spouses, yes, our time, you know, all of our resources, but money is a resource that we have that we have the opportunity to glorify him with, um, with how we are managing it. And so for me, uh, 
that's just been, I don't know, something that's just shifted my thinking and how I make financial decisions as I have thought more through a stewardship mindset. And, you know, when I really come to it and acknowledge that everything I have, you know, from the money in my bank account to the kids I'm responsible for, to the air that I breathe, it's all God's. I'm simply a manager of what his stuff Yep. And that helps me make better financial decisions more from an eternal perspective. Do you know what I mean? I love that. That's such a, a great mind shift. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. What about in your relationship with your wife? What has that journey been like? Has it just been smooth sailing? You guys are just always. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Um, no, I don't think as many people listening who would who would say that. Yeah, my <laughs> wife, my spouse, our money thing has been smooth sailing the entire time. You know, now that said, I feel like we've grown so much. We've gotten into a really good place, but we're very, very different in how we think about money. Um, like most couples. We, part of God's sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. Um, you know, like most couples, we come from different backgrounds financially. Uh you know, and it's like, I don't know that I've met a single couple who said, yeah, me and my spouse, like hundred percent think exactly the same on money. Like I just, I don't think it exists. Nope. Um, and so we have different backgrounds, different beliefs about money. And so, you know, just like anything else, like getting married, it's, you're looking to establish unity. And I, and I think it's so powerful in our financial life when we're in unity with our spouse, like it's a big, big deal. And so we were after that and we were fighting for that. And And I think that's one of the things I'm often talking to couples about too, is, um, you know, the default is to fight against your spouse, but you want to fight with your spouse for unity, you know, not fight, you know, get your spouse to change and be exactly the way you want. It's like, how can we fight to be in unity? What does that look like? What does that look like when we can fully get on the same page or just start moving more on the same page, you know? Uh, and so for us, honestly, a big part of that for me, cause I'm more of the numbers guy, the spreadsheet nerd, whatever. I'm more of that guy, <laughs> the saver where she is the, like, it's going to burn a hole in my pocket. I got to spend it as fast as possible, you know? And so going into that, mm -hmm. I thought just like a lot of people like me think, all right, she's wrong. You got to control her. Like she's going to blow all your money. Like she's going <laughs> to destroy the financial situation. And that's what I thought too, you know? And, um, and so as a result, like I kind of, uh, made our financial decisions through that lens that she doesn't have anything to add to this financial discussion. And you're, we're going to be better off if you just stay out of it and just let me do it and just do what I say, you know, that type of thing. Yikes. And um, so, yeah, so that doesn't, you know, but like, this is the interesting, she was actually interested in just handing it off because she didn't want to be involved. Uh, but anyway, in all that, like we both kind of came to the spot where we realized we both need to be involved. And it's like, all right, I have more of a natural gifting here so I can drive a little bit, but she needs to be providing input on this. And I need to be yielding to that. Right. And so what this looked like for us was me getting to the point and God just kind of revealed this to me that she actually has a whole lot of value to add to our financial situation. And that he placed her in our marriage for my benefit. And, <laughs> and so if I'm not listening, listening to what she has to offer, like I'm missing out. And ultimately I just dis discovered that like, we weren't, I'm not healthy financially without her, you know, like I tend to just save everything up for the future, not enjoy today, not be spontaneous enough, not do all this stuff to really live and enjoy the moments that God has given us. And she's really good at that. And when I've applied and allowed her to influence my thinking, um, influence the budget a little bit more, Mm -hmm. Like we just live a healthier and me specifically, I live a healthier, more balanced financial life. So she's a huge asset. And then the cool thing, of course, is that as I've done that and yielded towards her, like she's yielded more and been more open to like being willing to control spending in certain areas and to save more in certain things. And so it's just worked really well to help us find a place of balance. Mm -hmm. And that's a great description of what it needs to be. It's that yielding to each other versus yep. what you mentioned of you just need to do what I say and we're going to all be good because I'm yep. right. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I've been thinking a lot about in the last few months has been like, we are so everything we believe, we think we're right. A hundred percent of everything we yeah. believe, which would make all yeah. relationships impossible. All yeah. relationships, unless you find a cookie cutter, the same person as us. She has uh, talent, skills, perspective, things that you don't see. And vice versa. And so to be able to yeah. yield to that brings incredible beauty and growth as a two separate people, but also as an us. Yep. 
yeah no it's it's been a big big deal for us it's helped us a whole lot um yeah so i'm I'm just really thankful for god's kind of gentle conviction uh and showing me you know where it's off mm-hmm. so then what what's changed like as kids have come into the picture and um you're still in that stage of young ones very young ones and that's busy 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 exhausting um yeah. which I, I guess how has this influenced how you've maybe even for you has been more spontaneous or been more playful, if you will. Yeah, no. Yeah. One of the things that changed for me, and this is kind of a all along, like, I mean, you know how God does, like he's bringing things to us when we need them at the right time. And so there was a book I read just a couple of years ago that helped me think through this a little bit more too. Just this idea of, you know, so I just turned 41 and something happened when I turned about 40. I didn't have like a midlife crisis in the <laughs> traditional sense. But but I started just asking the question because I've done good job saving. Like I I spent the last 15 plus years like leaning in that direction, you know, to offset my younger years of just not thinking about money at all. I just I transitioned and it's like, all right, I need to save for the future. I need to be smart with my money. I need to do blah, blah, blah. And so I've been doing that for 15 years. And that's my new natural inclination is leaning in that direction. And so as I was thinking about all this, uh, I don't know, I just began evaluating my decisions a little bit differently. It's like, all right, I'm 40. Now I have these little kids. You know, I don't know how many years I have left. I mean, hopefully 40 more years, 50 more years, whatever. But at the same time, 20 years from now, there are going to be things that I'm maybe not can't even do you know, that I could do right now, like physically, you know, like at 41 versus at 61, or especially in 30 years, like, and so the money that I save, or save up for retirement, that might be used at that point, there's a whole lot fewer things that I can do. And I have a limited window now, especially with my kids, you know what I'm talking about here, like a limited amount of time with them to do certain things. And, and so anyway, I don't want to get to the point where I'm 60, 70 years old, regretting that we didn't spend some of that money now, Right. You know, when I'm already doing so good saving for the future. Now, there's certain people who need to hear the opposite, you know, exactly. uh, you know, there's some people listening who's like, all right, you, you need to save some money for retirement. Like it's going to get here, you know, but for me, that was a lesson that I needed to hear. And I think that's what's so cool about God is that he gives us the lessons that we need when we need them, you know. When I was thinking the same thing where you said the opposite, I was like, some people need to hear the opposite. I mean, we yeah. work at a Christian university and um We've never had a whole bunch of money. Uh, so one of our values when we moved to Oregon, because all of our family lives in Texas and Georgia, was road trips. Yep. So every summer, we road trip across country, except for wow. this summer, because gas prices were made that harder. <laughs> but we can feel it. We feel the missing of that adventure that we didn't yeah. get to have this summer because of, of that. But it was also a financial choice. With high gas prices, we had to choose. Yeah spend our money that way or do we actually not and so we chose not to and there's times we're already regretting it this summer yes. but because it's a value of we actually bought a house that's cheaper because of that we we made sure yeah. our choices there but we don't have, we have no retirement so like yeah so what's what's that look like where we don't have that kind of yep. future focus yep. where like our parents in that generation have done a much better job of kind of planning for that, at least in our family. So, yeah. so in each family and each person, each person listening needs to hear something different there. Some, yes. some of you need to stop playing and need to need to start <laughs> saving. Some of you yeah. learn how to play, but it's that relationship with money um, yeah. becomes a hot topic. Uh, what I see as a counselor and therapist and coach with, with families and couples is the, the tension between mon- them, each other with mm-hmm. money, they spend it differently. And they actually think that's a deal breaker. Like, no, yeah, yeah. you were both the same is like, you cancel each other out. <laughs> we don't want yeah. to say two of the same people, how to bring out the beauty of the differences. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I am curious what your thoughts are on this, but I've just found that so many people, like part of that tension comes from the fact that we, are making money. We're putting money in the place where God should be. So we're looking at money as our security. We're looking at money as the thing that makes us feel important. We're looking at it, you know, from all these different perspectives when it's like, that's the thing we should be putting on God, you know, our identity. Like, like these are the things that so many people are 
looking to money for. And then when you are around a spouse who threatens that, yes, like, I don't know, it's not surprising that people lash out and that stuff comes out, you know? Yep. Well, I think that you putting that kind of in that perspective of that's almost our, our God, it's what we worship. So then what about our culture where we're always pushing about retirement and saving for the future mm-hmm. and all of that? Is that potentially an idol? Yeah. Oh, it absolutely can be. I mean, I see people all the time who, who turn that into an idol, you know, even paying off debt. Like Mm -hmm. that's the thing is that anything can become an idol. Like I think during our debt payoff process, like I think I probably went just a little bit too far where I, because I, I remember finding myself feeling like I will be content when, Mm. and you know, and I really think anytime we're in a situation where we are, our contentment hinges on anything else other than Jesus, like we're just drifting just a little bit where we shouldn't be. And so that's what it is for me. Like I was not going to be content until we had our debt paid off. Now that motivated me. I mean, you know, and, and, and again, like paying off debt is a very healthy thing. Like this is a biblical thing, Yes. but when it's in the wrong place, like, yeah. And so absolutely. I think any financial goal can be, you know, and that's where, if you think of the different things we spend money on and um, education, that's a difficult one right now. We're in yeah. that season looking at in two years, our oldest goes to college and I, I work at one, so that's going to help. But um, the amount of friends of ours who are you know, asking that question and the, the current culture of debt when it comes to college, um, I personally would not send my kids to a state university anywhere, mainly because yeah. of what happens there in the indoctrination but the amount of christian universities i wouldn't trust either that are no longer holding to a biblical but then that's for some people they go well that's overprotective it's like i'm protecting a young mind that's growing and maturing and then they're let go and free that's a value or some have a value about um you know like what the money they have in their bank or they have to have that nice car and it's always shiny clean and we each have our mm-hmm. different kind of areas of um, values. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like we all spend money according to what we value, <laughs> what's most important yeah. to us. Like yeah. everybody does. So. Yeah. I've um, every shirt I own has Harley on it. <laughs> I, I've ridden motorcycles since I, I moved to America when I was 17. I grew up in Chile, yeah. missionary kid. Oh, wow. and I wanted my freedom because in Chile, I could go anywhere, the bus systems. So from middle school, I was going all over the city. And all of a sudden, I'm 18, and I can't go anywhere without my mom. Yeah. So I ended up buying a motorcycle, fell in love. So I've always wanted a Harley, finally bought one a few years ago. And it's funny, I miss my Honda. Like Really? <laughs> it's great. I love it. It's got eight hangers. It's loud. But my Honda was more reliable, and my Honda was more. So it's, it's interesting, because that became an idol. I had to to really um, humble myself and really realize that became something outside of, you know, well, putting that in the place of God and anything from that. Some of my students, I've told them, I teach at university. I was like, you need to go. You don't need to be here because you've made education an idol. And this is the wrong, you're at the wrong place, wrong time. For others, it's the opposite. They need to go now because they've been called into a certain job or ministry or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. So what have you seen with struggles with couples? What are some of the things that have come up with that you've seen with couples? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things I was just talking to a couple the other day who he was a bit more like me and just didn't a little bit more of a saver and realized that, you know, things were tight for them and was trying to do everything he could in his own strength to, yeah, to take care of his family, to provide for his family, to make sure they had money for everything. And she was a bit more of a spender and, um, you know, just spending on whatever and, and just a little bit not reined in. Yeah. And I don't know. And I, and I feel like I see that a lot, like where one couple tends to be a spender and the other one's trying and they both are like pulling in opposite directions. Uh, and that just creates a lot of tension and it's really, it's really common, but it's really frustrating if you're in that situation on both sides, it's not right. like, you know, only one of them's frustrated. Uh, and 
one of the things that we were talking about that I think really helps in situations like that is, okay, you spend money differently, but what, what is the common, what are the common things you can agree on? You know, it's so like, is it giving and generosity? Like, is that something that motivates you? Um, is it, is it stewarding? Like, is it trying to honor God with your finances? Is it like, what, what are the things where it's like, are we agree on this and use that as a starting point to kind of look for more ways to connect and to bridge, you know? Cause I think it's so easy just to look at how different we are and how different we spend money and why did they just run out and buy that? Like that doesn't make any sense. Um, but that's like, that's a great starting point is like, look for these areas of common ground and start mm -hmm. building a bridge. Um, one of the things I'll think I'll say, just because this is so helpful, this is so helpful for so many couples is, um, having your own personal spending money. Okay. So every, like this was a game, this reduced our money fights by probably 90% Linda and I like overnight, this instant practical thing. And so what we did is we created two separate, um, budget categories in our thing. And, you know, and I'm, I'm all for like having, um, joint accounts with both your names on it. I'm not a big fan of hiding money from your spouse or any of that thing. But I think it's really important that you are still individual human beings and you have some money allocated for you to spend without asking the other one for permission based on the things that you value and find important. And so for Linda, that might mean going to Chick-fil-A and getting a milkshake every day of the month and burning all the money that for her spending <laughs> yes. money. For me, it's going to Lowe's and buying a table saw or whatever. But like, the point is, is that I don't have to ask her about buying that table saw if I have that money in my spending money and she doesn't have to ask me about buying her 25th milkshake from Chick-fil-A, you know? And whereas before we did that, we were constantly fighting about these things. So it's like, why would you do that? We got to buy groceries next week. You know, it was that discussion over and over and over again. Uh, and so that thing helped us so much. We talked to so many couples that that one simple thing makes such a big difference. And that's probably a good entry point. What you just said there of what is it that you fight about the most? So if it's like um, over spending at a, a, um, you know, Chick-fil-A, they're actually finally building a Chick-fil-A yep. here in our town. We haven't had one near us ever. Good for you. So, um, <laughs> my wife's already gone and she's excited, but, um, yeah. So like, or, uh, here it's coffees, like the coffee little kiosks. Yep. Um, if, if that's your value, you want to spend your money there. It's like, how do you actually set up parameters? Some people, it needs to be very low because you don't have enough money. Like it's yep. not a big amount. That's Dave Ramsey talks about the blow money. It's like, you need that little, mm -hmm. I remember I would always stress out earlier in our marriage when I had to ask for permission to go spend $2 and 50 cents yeah. to rent a movie. I know. Exactly. And when the streaming stuff or Redbox came out, it was like a dollar. I can, you know, not ask permission now or streaming. Yay. It changed that fight, but we still pay these monthly fees now, which some of us yeah. need to get rid of those monthly fees because you can't afford them. Um, but at yeah. least the fight's gone. So this blow money or the this personal money really does change that. The truth is yep. we're always going to spend our money different. Mm -hmm. We have different values over that. So to remove that. Yeah, and I kind of think that, that's healthy. It is. You know, I think we need to value, like help them see that not, we need to change you. Yeah. Which is actually where I think a lot of counseling and, coaching and and mentoring goes wrong as we try to make them you know do it mm -hmm. the way we did it or, or or not or some model of something we've read somewhere yeah to help them become the best person that that they can be and it's living within certain parameters even yeah yep i think it's so good yeah okay so we got the kind of this little bit of spending money you mentioned also paying off debt that's a big yeah. deal. You guys have you're and you're very woke, open about kind of your some of your story and um, you guys paid out a, off a lot of money, a lot of debt. Yeah, yeah. What's that journey like? Yeah, so I think for us, yeah, people often ask us. We we had our debt journey, so we had a bunch of credit card debt, car loans, student loans, all that stuff, and we began paying it off. And one of the things that was interesting to me is. I get this question asked, should I stop tithing so I can pay off my debt? And, um, and I remember when we were paying off that initial chunk of debt, all that consumer debt and stuff, 
and basically God kind of challenging us to give more. So we had been tithing and we felt like God was challenging us to give more while we were paying off our debt. Like this makes no sense. This is bad math. Like, oh my God, this does. I don't think you understand how this works, but as we did that, like we ended up paying off that debt years faster than we should have. Like, and, and that's the thing that I think it's really important for us as believers to understand that kingdom math is different than the world's math. Like it doesn't make sense. And so many people never get to experience that because they don't take those steps of faith. Um, really a lot of times in giving, a lot of times it's just in areas of giving. And so, uh, while we were paying off debt, like that was one of the biggest things. And then the next round of that, like when we were trying to pay off our house, it was the same thing. God called us to increase our giving. And it was, and we saw the exact same thing where that debt got paid off so much faster uh, when it should have made no sense mathematically. Um, but God did it that way, you know? So, so anyway, so my encouragement to people who are paying off debt is, you know, it's not necessarily give more money, but it's pray about it. Ask God what his plan is, you know, because if he's calling you to give more, like run with that. Like he's not doing that to take something from you to make your life more difficult. Like he's got something in the works if he's calling you to do that, you know? And a lot of times what he's got in the works is he's saying, do you trust me? Yep. And the truth yep. is, is in those moments, we don't, we are, yeah. we're, we're exposed as frauds in a sense. And I think, kind well, of yeah, and this is where, Go ahead. yeah, where money can become an idol. Yep. Like this is that thing. Like, I mean, if we're taking an honest look at what, how we're making those decisions, like, do I not trust God? Do I trust having that money in the bank account more than I trust that God's going to come through? And, you know, and I've been there so many times, like where, you know, I, we haven't done it right. And where we have put our trust more in the money and didn't make those tough decisions the way we wish we would have. But I think when it comes down to it, I think that's part of what that is. And for some people, it's not necessarily the money, but it's the status or it's whatever that oh, money yeah. is them. It's something external. They, yep. they have to have that brand of car because it says something to the neighbors or to friends. It's yeah. so interesting or they're not happy if, with without a certain house. I remember when I first moved to Georgia, we used to live there. I met in our Sunday school class, I think it was three different wives came up to me. And it was the same story. The story was we were you know, married and we found out we're having a baby. So we sold our house, our 2000 square foot house and got a 3000 square foot house in anticipation of this baby. And then they all said this, and now I have to work. And, yep. I was like, oh. and you can just see the longing in their hearts to not have to work. It's different to get if you get to work and you want to work and you choose to work. Yep. But you yep. can just see that burden of I have to now to pay for this thing that I wish we didn't have. That's yeah. amazing how kids take up that a thousand square feet. But <laughs> it's, not, it's pretty yeah. much what they're saying. It's like no, there's yeah. some, I go to any other country and you see how spoiled we are. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. I mean, in adding to that, I mean, I remember a story talking to a pastor friend of mine. He said he had somebody in his congregation who basically they. He was going to hire him and offered him a job and they were both excited. Um, the guy he offered the job to agreed and like said, yeah, I feel like this is God calling me to do this. So they start talking about salary and the guy says, I am sorry, but like, I can't, I can't take this position. Like I have too much debt, like the debt payments alone. Like I, I can't take this position. And in any way, and I just remember thinking like, God's calling him to do this thing and he feels like he can't do it because of all this debt that he has. And it's, yeah, it's just scary. It's scary thinking about it. And the flip side of that is like, to me, that gives me motivation to want to pay off debt, to want to be in a healthy financial situation, all these different things to be more free to right. go wherever God has for us to go and to do whatever and give to whatever, you know? And that's where I don't hear that from a lot of people I talk to. They're not yeah. looking for where God's leading them. It's wherever yeah. I think I'll be happy or where I want to go. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't Chasing even go well. Happiness. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't go well. And and that's to me, if I could give that one message to people, it tends to be, it, it really centers around go where God tells you to go. I don't care where yeah. that is. 
And yeah, I mean, and I'm convinced, you know, I mean, Romans 8, 28, you can take this a whole bunch of different ways. Like, God causes all things to work together for good, you know, to those who love him are called according to his purpose. It's, so it's like, I really believe that when God's calling us to do something, um, that that's where the most joy and fulfillment and happiness is going to be. It's going to be in that thing, even though it might look like it's not. Like, God's really smart, you know? We mentioned the kingdom math. When I met my wife, um, I was walking with a cane, and I was told by doctors I would never work again. I was working on my district wow. doctoral work. I was trying to live a life. I was trying to work and had a little bit of, of work, but I was a mess. I had just moved back from Kansas, had to, had to close my private practice. Everything was just kind of falling apart for me. I meet her. Ten months later, we got married, and she married me. And in those ten months, I was in the hospital three times. She married me with all the, I would say, the kingdom math. I came in with $100,000 in debt. I come in with student loan debt. I mean, with medical debt. I come in with not a bright future as a, you know, being able to work, all of it against me to then her. She's been a stay at home mom the last 14 years because mm. it didn't pan out as we were told in the time at the time. But it's so humbling to me that yeah. she made that decision based on all the data would say this guy is not a good guy to marry i mean we did premarital we met with financial planners to make sure she knew what she was getting into <laughs> and it doesn't make sense and a lot of yeah. times what god's calling us to do is to walk away from maybe that lucrative job or yeah. that incredible pay or that incredible position of status for something much more beautiful as you said and you're going to find much more joy there so how we define yeah. these things are really critical. Um, yeah, I mean, people, and I think... Oh, go ahead. Well, help people think through this. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just... In my walk with God, I just feel like the the common thing I wish everyone understood is just obey Him. Yes. Like, <laughs> the obedience factor. Like, it's just... But you got to listen It's not rocket first. science. You yeah. Listen no, yeah. First. For sure. But like when you know that God's calling you to do X or Y, like to just do it, like it's always the best thing. It's always the best thing. And it's like, that's where you're going to find the fulfillment. That's where you're going to like chasing your own happiness. Like we're never going to get there. Like God knows better than we do, you know? And, and I, that's one of the things I see, like whatever on Instagram or whatever, constantly like do what makes you happy. Like that's it. Just whatever, just chase your own happiness. That's leave your spouse. If it's going to make you happy or whatever, you know, the thing is, then it's just it's so foolish. It's so misguided. And um, I don't know how more people don't see that at this point, you know? I know my wife and I had to make a decision recently. We were offered jobs somewhere else. And to me, the most joyful part about that process is we entered in it into it a hundred percent saying yes to taking these, one of these jobs. And in the last hour or so, one of the interviews, the journey together was no, we were not going to, we were going to say no. Yeah. And of yeah. the whole thing, it was so amazing to do it together. Yeah. That's the piece I wish couples could hear too, is like you do this together. It's not fun. It's hard. I was on the floor at times, just like hurting because it made no rational sense to say no. Yeah. It was better money. It was a healthier university. It was healthier. This health, like all the rationale closer to family yet. God, what do you, where do you want to use us and how even those decisions impact where our kids might meet spouses, where, you know, all these little factors that we can't control, we try to control of, um, our next steps. Yeah, no, I mean, and I, and I think that, yeah, there's certainly times where we make those sacrifices and we don't see, uh, maybe the financial fruit of it. But there are times where there is financial fruit. I mean, I because I, I, in my case, like I remember getting laid off in 2008 and this blog that I had started the year before and was making $100 a month from nice. total, you know, like I felt like God said, I want you to become a full-time blogger in 2008. Wow. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This doesn't make any sense, God. I've been working on this thing for a year. We're making $100 a month and you want me to not go find another job and do this. And, um, anyway, but it was an obedience thing and I obeyed him and, and anyway, so that was kind of like the first kind of step. But then like a month or two later, a friend of mine offered me a job 
that would, was paying double what my previous job was paying. And so I'm like, all right, this is my answer to prayer. Like, this is great. Like I obeyed God. Now my friend who I loved working with, like he was great, offered me this job that was going to pay double. And, and I said, I just told him, yes, like, let's go do it. And like, as soon as I did, like I could feel in my heart, God say, nope, that's not it. And I just ignored it. I'm like, no, no, this is my answer to prayer. Like, you know, all this stuff. And, and anyway, and it's like, it would not go away. And I finally just started praying. I'm like, are you sure God is like, nope, that's not it. Trust me. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding. So I end up calling the guy back and just saying, I'm sorry, man, I jumped the gun. I'm not supposed to take this job with you. It was one of the hardest phone calls in my life. Like, because I, we went from, we want security. We want security. No security. Like, and I had no reason to believe at all that this blog was ever going to turn into a full-time living. Um, and, and that was after, you know, a few months or probably a month at that point of hundred dollars a month. Like it's like, and then that comes in double, you know, my previous job. And, but anyway, point is, is that God's smart. Like he knew. And the truth is, had I taken that job, like that would have fizzled out. Like I, I saw where that went and that wouldn't have lasted. It wasn't going to last for me. Uh, and then the other thing that God was actually trying to do was build a business and, you know, financially, uh, nine months later, we were earning what we were in that old day job, which was a miracle in and of itself. And then six yeah. months later, it was double that. So it's like, it was only about a year and a half later before we were up to that higher salary anyway. And in the truth is, is that, yeah, anyway, so I, the reason I'm bringing this up is there are times where it makes absolutely no sense. And God does kind of bring in the financial provision. But in our case, like I would have done it either way because the impact um, that we were able to make through starting that business is so much richer and so much yeah. deeper than the pushing papers I would have done working for my friend, you know? So yeah, there's a lot. So, here. Then, so then what would you say to the person who God really is saying, going to the ministry where that is not pay. And there's a lot of talk about that. Oh yeah. That we're no, actually I... inviting people to come into the ministry, not paying them much. And you kind of get what you get with that. Yeah. Not some healthy people oftentimes. So we, we do yeah. sad to say we run for the money and that's not going to give us what we want. Oftentimes the call is into something that's actually not going to pay well. Um, yeah. Do do and I, that? I mean, we, we, Oh, sorry, go ahead. What's well, so that? What do we do with that? Like that's, a, that's, yeah. it feels like a dead end. Yeah. So yeah, I talk about this a little bit in the book because because I know that that's an issue. And the fact is, like you said, or, you know, or like we're talking about in this conversation, I think the number one thing is to always obey God. Like, that's it. Like, it's when we find ourselves chasing money against God's will, what we know he's calling us to, like, that's never going to be the answer. Like, that it's just so clear that is not going to be the answer. Yeah. And we can always trust God in whatever the thing is. And so, in the case of a ministry position where it's like, all right, this is not going to, pay well like i don't and i don't it's something that bothers me like i just like teachers and other things where it's like such important professions that aren't being paid well and i think honestly as the church i think that comes on us a little bit because yep. i feel like it's our responsibility to be taking care of our pastors to be taking care of people that are working in ministry positions um you know whether or not that's directly giving them money but maybe it's like all right I have a vacation rental that I'm not going to use. Let's let our pastor go. Like whatever the thing might be to how can we continue to bless them? That's a tangent. But but the thing that I do um, encourage people to do, we talk about this in the book a little bit, is like, so John Wesley, and this is kind of what the book is based off of his framework. So he had this framework that he followed where he said, I earn as much as I can by speaking and by writing. And interesting fact about John Wesley, he was actually one of the most wealthy people in all of England. So not most wealthy preachers, but wealthy people in terms of his monthly salary um, at his high point, which was crazy to think about. Like, so he must have been just like preaching and writing up a storm, you know? Uh, but anyway, so he said, I earn as much as I can. And he said, I reduce my expenses as much as I can by living frugally so that I can give as much as I can. And so John Wesley, I think the way that he would say it is take your ministry position. Um, and I know that this, you know, I've been in church life enough to know that the hours required are not always balanced, but I would say when possible, 
use your ministry position, and if possible, find a side hustle, find something you can do on the side, a, a skill or a craft that you can develop to generate some income in addition to you know your 40, hopefully 40 hour a week ministry position. And I know, like, I'm not naive to to know that there are plenty of people who are like, well, I work 80 hours a week. Like, I've run into them. I've I've, I've been with them. I know that. Um, and so it all ultimately comes down to placing this in the Lord's hand and understanding some of it's a season, some of it's a time thing. But again, like continuing to be open to wherever God's leading you. Uh, but part of that is, I believe, um, stepping into alternative forms of income besides just the paycheck from the ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and I've seen, you know, plenty of people do that well, because like, we live in an era where it's never been easier to generate a side income, you know, yeah. from delivering meals for Uber or from pet <laughs> sitting on the weekend. Like there, there are so many different ways to generate some extra income, you know? I know I, since I graduated from seminary, I have had two to four jobs ever since because of working at you know Christian universities. But also that was driven by a value of my wife being at home. Actually, yeah. it was driven by a value of one of us would be home because at first, because of my health, it was going to be me at home and her at work because she had a much better job paying wise. Yeah. And it's neat to see. If you talk to my in-laws, my in-laws um, next year will be, have been married 50 years and have been in ministry, pastoral ministry for 50 years. Wow. How did they do it? Small little church. How? They did it because yeah. he had a great job as a teacher with benefits where he didn't have yep. that kind of stuff. And they were a team and they've never lacked ever, ever, ever yep. lacked. And it's like I, I, part of that kingdom, you know, um, I forgot the word I would just lost uh, the value of money, the way that we the yeah. budget is incredible to think about. We think of wealth. We think of wealth building as kind of the goal, and it's not. It's where does same same as we've been saying? Where does God want to use you? You have your unique yep. skills, gifting, talent. Where is God going to use you? And that yeah. should drive couples. So individually, people, but as couples. And then even what we kind of started talking about is how do we teach our children? Do we pass this legacy on that they mm-hmm. understand? My son. Like it was last year, sophomore year of high school, one of his homework assignments in our homeschool, we do classical conversations, um, was to do a write-up of if you were to move out right now, what would it take? So pick your career. So find out what the salary would be and then kind of what would it be like to live? And no one lived in reality of these kids. (laughs) You think of the cost of rent and then you have all the little things that are just the, you have to pay for gas and you have to pay for, you know, electricity and cable, yeah. and your phone. And like, they, they see the world different when they start understanding some of those things. And that starts young as we instill yeah. a pastor said to, to not to me, but I heard this and it really impacted me. I always approach money with, because of growing up as a missionary kid, uh, we can't afford that. We can't afford that. I don't even mm. think my parents said that, but that's what I took. Yep. Then this pastor said, no, you make the choice of saying we choose to spend our money this way or we choose not to spend our money this way. Yep. So when you walk down that aisle at Walmart and you see the $150 Lego set, which you're like, oh, that's a lot. Or it's, well, if we want that, what else has to go? Yep. Where do we have to sacrifice? What has to change? And if you instill that in your kids young they have a very different future, which I think is critical and valuable. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So true. I love that. And your kids, the age they are, I mean, you probably haven't quite experienced this yet. We last two summers, uh, we needed to paint the exterior of our house. So what do we do? We have built in labor. Yep. <laughs> bought the five gallon buckets and they paid, they were paid to paint the house. One of them was actually paying for a TV they broke. So (laughs) we're keeping track of hours, but it's (laughs) learning to have value in work, but also it equals a pay. Um, So that changes how they see money. Yep. Now you mentioned mentioned giving too. So tithing plus giving Mm -hmm. of most people, the, the numbers are horrifying in church. 
give way, way under 10%. Yeah. They're not even tithing. And so what would be kind of your, I guess, call to them when it's to think about their finances and to think about their commitments in their finances when it comes to that piece? Uh, my encouragement is to just, um, well, a couple of different things here. I, I think read Second Corinthians 9. I think this is, you know, one of my favorite chapters about giving, uh, specifically in the New Testament. And I, and I think when you understand that we're eternal beings, like uh, Randy Elkhorn had this quote that I really, really loved. He said, the greatest deterrent to giving is the illusion that earth is our home. And mm-hmm. when you think through that and you understand we're eternal beings, we're on earth for such a sh- slice of time, you know, such a sliver of time, it makes sense to be giving and storing up treasures in heaven and not just um, spending everything uh, on earth while we're here. Um, so anyway, so that's a big part of it. And then also, I think it's also good for us to always be stretching in our giving. So, uh, for somebody who's giving 2%, 3%, whatever the average is about right now, yeah. uh, you know, why not try to increase it by 1%? Yeah. Like you won't even feel it. And then maybe a couple months later, go up another 1%. Great. Great. Uh, you're not going to regret it and you're not going to feel it. Like I, I've never met anyone who increases their giving by 1% and says, man, I couldn't afford groceries. Bob, it was too tight. Yeah. Like even for those of us who really have tight budgets, like it's really hard to feel 1% that shift, you know? Yeah. So, um, so that's my encouragement. Nice. And I just saw the time cause I know you have babysitter, um, call to action for people to go to three day money three day the number three three day money challenge.com and that out sign up Um, and then also your book is available on amazon and website and all that what's your website Uh, seedtime.com 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 so thank you bob so much for this conversation would love to have another one in the future this is very very good and helpful yeah thanks Corey. appreciate it bless you bless you and your family all right take care see ya Thank you for tuning in to the Family Features Podcast. It's been an honor to serve. If you're struggling and in need, Dr. Gilbert provides a free consultation for new clients. Check out his website at healinglives.com to book a call. If this has been helpful to you, please share it, leave a review, and help us get the word out so that we can see lives changed, marriages touched, and more people come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more help and resources, check out Dr. Gilbert's website for books, courses, and more trainings at healinglives.com. Bless you and your family and all God wants to do in and through you. Remember, your marriage and family are worth fighting for. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert. See you next time.